Hello and welcome to Carnivorous Chats. My name is James, your host. I started this podcast to help other folks share their own healing stories and to interview thought leaders and experts in the carnivore, keto, and low oxalate space. Before we begin, I'd like to give a shout out to Equip Foods and the Carnivore Bar. As an affiliate, you can use the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products when you check out using the code Carnivorous. Thanks in advance for listening, subscribing, and any likes or shares. And now, on with the podcast. So, yeah, Devin, this is great. i am really been excited to, to chat with you. Um, you were one of the very first people, actually, to follow me when I created my Instagram account. So I'm very grateful for you, to you for that. And, you know, I've, I've learned a little bit about your journey from following you on Instagram. So I wanted to just kind of chat to you about how you came to be a carnivore. I know you have a journey with Hashimoto, so we'd love to chat about that. Yeah, um... So do you kind of want me to start from the beginning, the whole nine yards? <laughs> love to. I love to so, get our listeners to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is so, 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 so common. It is so common. Um, when I was 14 years old, for reference, I am 30 um, now. And um, so I had it my pretty much my entire adult life. Um, I was a freshman in high school when I got diagnosed. I was always on levothyroxine. Um high school through college and then um progressively as I got older I feel like I'm 20 years old still um, but as I got older my medication started getting higher and higher in dosage um so after my first pregnancy I gained a significant amount of weight and um within the first year of my son's life I was getting increased every couple months because I was having symptoms. And one thing I had, I had a conversation with someone else on someone else's podcast a couple weeks ago. One thing that I remember that is now sticking out to me is I never once took levothyroxine and thought, oh, I felt way better. Like I feel way better being on this medication. I always felt like crap. You know what I mean? Um, so then in 2017, um, my best friend who is a doctor, um, called me and I was like, oh, you know what? I got my thyroid's really bad. I'm getting, you know, increased on medication every couple months. I said, I think I need to lose weight, you know, and just be healthier. And he said, well, I'm doing a rotation with a doctor who recommends keto. And he explained it to me and he goes, just do it for 30 days and see. So we did it together. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to do it for 30 days and I'll, you know, just experiment. Well, I ended up getting hooked um, on, you know, just feeling good about myself. And I started losing weight. And eventually it just became like, okay, well, this is working. I'm getting, I'm losing weight. And after about doing keto for, I think, four months, I thought, oh, I'm going to join the gym. I'm going to, you know, get a gym membership. And it, it kind of, it's the same story with all of us, kind of this evolution of, hey, let's try it out for 30 days. And then you get addicted to how good you feel. So then once I was on it for about six months, I lost about 40 pounds. And the, um, the goal kind of became to heal my thyroid, to get off the medications, to lose the weight. And so I went in for my annual checkup and my doctor was like, wow, you've lost like a lot of weight this year. I said, yeah, I lost like 40-ish pounds. I'm, I'm hoping to get 20 more in. And he, we started talking and he, you know, I had run out of thyroid medication and he goes, well, let's do a test and see how your levels are. And if, you know, you're not on, if you don't, if it's good and you've not been on the medication for a couple of weeks, why don't we just come back in three months and test and make sure that your levels have, you know, um, 
leveled out to where they should be. And then you should be good to not be on medication. And so I went in three months later and my, my thyroid was totally fine. So that's kind of where I started um, with the health journey. So this is 2017. And then I had another baby, gained some weight and was in my thyroid medication during that pregnancy, more of like um just uh it was a very low dose. It was just kind of a safety protocol that they did and I was fine with doing that because low thyroid during pregnancy is is uh is a risk factor for a lot of things. So um I had my baby. One thing during my pregnancy though is I started getting horrible migraines. So this is my second pregnancy. I've been on keto for four and a half, five-ish years by now. And I never had a migraine a day in my life. But during this pregnancy, something triggered migraines. And then I gained a bunch of weight. So I had my baby. I didn't lose weight right away. Still having migraines. And my thyroid didn't go back to normal. Um, so I was on thyroid medication still. So... I thought, mm, well, I'm just going to really kick it into gear and go keto again. Well, it wasn't doing the same thing that it had done before. And during this period of time, I started having frequent reoccurring urinary tract infections or what was diagnosed as urinary tract infections. Um, and within the span of 2020, 2020, I can't remember now, 2021, I think, I had about 11 UTIs, which is insane. That's crazy. Um, cause they're incredibly painful. So lots and lots of antibiotics. And finally I went to see a specialist. Cause I was like, this is not normal. You know, they're, they're, they're spreading to my kidneys. I'm having kidney infections. I'm on all these antibiotics. Like I know what health feels like to me. And this is not the epitome of health. Um, and so I went to a urologist and he said, uh, I have bad news for you. You are not having reoccurring UTIs. You have something called interstitial cystitis. And so interstitial cystitis is basically the inflammation of inflammation of the lining of your bladder. And nine times out of 10, it's something that you're consuming in your diet. Um, and so he gave me a list of foods and he said, you need to cut out everything on this list and then we'll go from there. And I cut out everything from coffee, diet soda, artificial sweeteners, any fruit or vegetable that had seeds in it, um, down to cer certain spices. And I still was like not getting the relief from the pain. And so I thought, well, I've cut all these things out. I'm basically only eating meat and a couple of veggies. Why not just go, um, carnivore? And so, cause I had heard about carnivore just being in the keto, like being in the keto space. And, um, I, had pretty much like within one to two months absolute um resolution of my pain that i was on pain medication for and then i was able to get off my thyroid medications and i've been i'm coming up on my one year carnivore anniversary at the beginning of march and um i've lost 40 40 pounds so yeah it feels great so that's the long story no. <laughs> of how we've kind of gotten here uh, Devin, that's excellent. It's so incredible. And, and congratulations on everything. That's amazing. What I'd like to ask you, let's delve into this a little bit deeper, because I'm, I'm just intrigued when you you got diagnosed with Hashi's when you were 14, right? How what were the symptoms that you had at 14? Were you fatigued and struggling with school and skin and hair falling out and things like uh, cracking, sorry, and hair falling out? So um, the big thing that I remember, I was a freshman in high school, I was a very active kid. I was always in sports, always doing um, something, I was involved. Um, the big thing that I remember was, 
I had had strep throat for three months straight. I would go on an antibiotic, it would subside for a couple of, a couple weeks, and then it would come flaring right back up. And my mom is like, this is not normal. Like, you know, you should not be going through this. And so they finally were like, kind of like, oh yeah, like there might be more to this, you know? And so I was constantly sick, just getting sick all the time. I had strep throat, strep throat. But then of course, because of that, I was super, super tired, super, super tired. And my hair was falling out in clumps, which, you know, for a 14 year old who is super active and healthy is not normal. And so I remember being so fatigued that there would be days I'd come home from school and I would sleep until I'd get up for school the next morning, you know? And so finally my mom, I, and I remember it was a big deal because my mom had thyroid. Um, I had had a finals week and I was so tired. I was like barely making it through. And at the end of the finals week, my mom was like, hey, I want to talk to you. You know, your, your doctor called. You have like Hashimoto's and she's like, it's a thyroid thing. And she's like, you're probably going to be on medication for the rest of your life. But this is like why you're so tired. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it was chronic fatigue. I was always sick. Um, and the hair loss is the, the big ones that I remember. And pretty, I remember losing a significant amount of weight for a 14 year old. <laughs> I remember losing a lot of weight for someone who was only 14 years old. Devin, that's really interesting. Can you tell me and the listeners, what was your diet like as a young, young lady? What were you eating? What were you, were you growing up? Just, I'm really intrigued because my journey is similar in that when I got really sick, even from a vegetarian days to the vegan, my thyroid was swinging back and forth from hypo to hyper. I was just looking at some of my old thyroid results this morning, how I had low T4. They were going to put me on levothyroxine. Thankfully, since I went carnivore, everything is normalized. But yeah, what did you eat as a child? So I, so there are two phases of my childhood that like, I kind of divide it between two. Um, so early, I should note that I grew up in a family that has pretty severe celiac disease. My mom and my sister are very, very allergic. So I kind of look at it in two phases, pre-celiac disease and post-celiac disease. So pre-celiac, which was when I was a junior or senior in high school, um, standard American diet. We did eat meat heavy diet though. I will always say meat was always the focus of the meal. It was like you ate the meat, and then there were sides to go along with it. But of course, like there was rice and pastas and all that stuff. And I <laughs> love sweets. I love sweets. And so we always had sweets. Um, I don't ever remember being like soda drinkers, though. I, that, that wasn't big in our house, you know, soda or, you know, any sugary beverages. Um, so to a certain extent, I think my parents were conscious of certain things. But post the celiac diagnosis, I remember that is kind of where my awareness of food came from. So my awareness to food became, I, I became aware of food as medicine before I even started keto because of the, the celiac disease and being cognizant about like, oh yeah, everything you can buy in the store is not good for your health and some of it's actually super harmful. So once that was diagnosed, really not consuming a lot of like breads and pastas, um, anything that had gluten in it. And even I remember my husband and I've been married for eight, almost going on eight years being like, oh, we're not allowed to have gluten in the house. I don't have celiac, but we didn't have gluten in the house and uh, everything was always organic. And of course, you know, now that we're in like carnivore, we're like, oh yeah, organic can be kind of a farce too. But um, when I 
got the diagnosis, it was pretty standard American diet. Oh, okay. Thank you. Moving on a little bit, I'm, I'm intrigued because our journey is, is, is very similar. Um, and, and so are members of my family, Devin. My mom is actually on levothyroxin currently. Mm -hmm. and, and she has interstitial, interstitial cystitis as well and bladder infections yeah. constantly reoccurring. So I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm, by no means am I a medical doctor, but G I see Jeannie Loak's grandma is on joining us today. And she knows where my mind's going. What what did you what did you eat on the keto diet when you started keto? Were you eating a lot of the nut based stuff and almond flours? Yeah. So my I'm sitting here and every time I converse with someone about my kidney and interstitial my interstitial cystitis, I, there was one definitive conversation we had for our podcast a couple months ago where it was like a light bulb, and I am almost a million percent sure that it was all the almond milk and almond flour and macadamia nuts that I was consuming. It has to be, it has to be because even when I had that list of stuff that he told me to cut out, nuts and seeds were not on there. So it was a safe food, but I also work out a lot. And so I was drinking protein shakes with almond milk. And now I'm thinking, oh my God, I had those things every single day and it was probably just killing my kidneys because I also had mild grade kidney stones and an enlarged kidney as well. And so I'm thinking that was just a recipe for, you know, that was just a disastrous recipe. It was the perfect storm to develop all those issues. And then those were some of the remaining things that I cut out when I was like, you know, this isn't working. I've cut out all these things. Um, in addition to things like Brussels sprouts, I was eating Brussels sprouts and broccoli and all these things are pretty oxalate heavy. And so I think it was just all the oxalates. I mean, there's really no other um, solution that I can see that would have resolved the IC besides cutting out the oxalates because once I did, my issues pretty much resolved themselves. I often talk about, Devin, when I was vegetarian and then into vegan, I continually had what I thought was urinary tract infections, which it was now I know for a fact was oxalate dumping with me and it was painful. I was passing small stones all the time. I could tell now thinking back, I was on the almond milks, the nut butters, all the worst offenders in the vegetable category after speaking with Sally Norton, as you know well now from doing your own podcast. And um, I, like you, was put on a ton of antibiotics, especially mm -hmm. cipro ciproflaxin yep. for men. And it- Bro, yeah. It literally killed my microbiome. I, I don't know how I have any left, and Jeannie can relate to that as well. Um, you know, you talked about your antibiotics that you took. What did they give to you, and how long were you on these for? Um, Cipro, um, what is the other one that they – there's another one. I can't even I, – I actually have antibiotics from when I was having these that are like preventative antibiotics um, that they would give me at the onset of symptoms because I was just getting them. Um, Macrobid, Macrobid I think is the one. So lots of Macrobid and lots of Zipro. Those are the two. Zipro pretty much, when Macrobid wouldn't work, Zipro would kick it in the butt. But I would have to take Macrobid first. And then if it didn't go away, then they would give me Zipro. I'm looking at members of my family now, as I mentioned to you, who are going from antibiotic to antibiotic and on the vegetarian high oxalate diet still and suffering. And I'm, I keep telling them, please, please just lower it to go eat some more animal protein, please. And yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very painful situation. Um, 
So you, you went keto and as, again, similar to me, I, before, when I went from vegan, I took baby steps into carnivore. I, I went the keto route because, you know, I couldn't just bear to part with vegetables at the time. I went low ox. Um, the benefits that you saw immediately for me, I had brain fog. It started to lift. I got more energy. This first time that you went keto, did you see similar things happen with you? Um, when I, so when I don't, Okay, so I guess I should explain. When I went keto, I was in a very tough, like, circumstance in my life. My husband was deployed for a year, and I was a single mom to a one-year-old. So I remember being exhausted all of the time, but I can't I, – I think a lot of that is overshadowed with the fact that I was alone with a one-year-old. Um, but I do remember, like, like – even before then, having the energy to go work out, I couldn't even fathom working out on a regular basis. And then, you know, once I went keto, finally being able to go work out and having the energy to do that. And I do remember um, on the days where I wouldn't work out, I would be energetic. I'd be like, oh, I really need to get out. Like, I need to get out of the house and I need to, like, get some of this energy out. So energy was definitely, in addition to, like, just the natural weight loss that I was having. I never counted a single calorie when I was keto, not once, um, in four years. So, um, I, th I would love to sit here and say like, Oh my God, the mental clarity and all that stuff. But that was such a hard phase of my life that I don't remember it like that. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that carnivore was, it was definitely more revolutionary for me than when I went keto. I, I was listening to an interview that you did recently where you talked about some of the things you had cut out and they were tomatoes, coffee, strawberries, artificial sweeteners and fruits. Were they hard to, did you like have a hard time coming off any of those, especially the coffee and the, the sweeteners and fruits? Um, I don't remember having like an issue with coffee. I know that that's like a hard thing for people to come off of because of the caffeine. But I remember being in so much pain with my cystitis that I was so like, okay, not a problem. Like, and I don't remember having I remember being incredibly hungry. That's what I remember is being super hungry. But I think the hardest thing that was, I, I, I don't remember being like, oh my gosh, this is incredibly difficult for me to give up because I was in so much stinking pain that it was like nothing in the world could be worth me being in pain for. So nothing felt that hard because I, and I know a lot of people in the carnivore space know how it feels, but people who are not and don't talk about it, um, don't really understand when you are, when push comes to shove and you're living a life in chronic pain on medicine and you're chronically, you know, suffering, nothing outweighs the freedom for that. So there was nothing ever that I cut out that I was like, oh, you know, this sucks because I just wanted to not be in pain. You hit the nail on the head, Devin. Nothing tastes yeah. as good as being healthy feels, right? Right, right. <laughs> and I know a lot of people say nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. And, you know, I have lost a lot of weight. But next level to that, nothing tasted good as good as optimal health feels. Like nothing will ever, ever outweigh that for me. Amen. I, I completely agree. I mean, when faced with the prospect of me and being as sick as I was on the vegan diet and adding animal foods back in, which was a scary prospect for me because I hadn't eaten any animal products right. in so long, um, I had to choose life and health. <laughs> you just can't, yeah. you have no other option. And for those that haven't dealt with the pain of interstitial cystitis, it is really painful. Uh, it, it, yeah. it is painful. I just, um, I'm I, just looking. I, 
I tell people, it's like, imagine, you know, like acid reflux in your bladder. You know, like imagine that and just like, um, it is all the symptoms of a urinary tract infection with no infection. There is nothing wrong, technically speaking. Um, there is nothing they can give you except for a, a pain pill to kind of ease the pain. Um, it's just horrible. Yeah. When you started your carnivore journey, um, how long, I, I know you mentioned earlier, but about how long did you notice before you, you and you, you and your doctor noticed before you test and you said, I'm going to start to wean off this levothyroxine. How long did it take you? So at that point, I wasn't on Levo anymore because I had run out and I have a terrible tendency to let it run out and then be like, oh, let's play around. Let's see. Let's see what my numbers are. Um, I wasn't having any terrible symptoms with my thyroid. So I kind of did feel like, okay, this is going to be okay. Um, and they were fine when I went to get my annual checkup. So I can't, I don't know. I just like, I, I'm like one of those people that I can pretty much gauge how I'm feeling because I did have that um, baseline for what I feel when I'm at optimal health. And I mean that when I started keto, like I, I kind of had that indicator of like, Oh, I don't feel great. I need to go check my thyroid. And then when I lost all the weight, I was like, Hey, I ran out of medicine, but I feel really, really good. So I, I have like a baseline and I feel like I'm very in tune with my body. So when I ran out of the levo, I was like, well, we're fine. Let's, let's push the boundaries and see what my levels are the next time I go in. And they were fine. So I haven't been on levothyroxine since 2021-ish. Amazing. Devin, you talked about when you first started Carnivore that you were always hungry. Um, oh, my I, God. <laughs> I can tell you that so many folks that I talk with, you and I are, again, similar. I was always hungry. I think this is because I was coming from a malnourished mm -hmm. vegan state, and I just mm -hmm. needed, my body was craving the fat, craving right. the fat. Um, what, what type of things did you eat and, and did you, did you find ways to biohack that, you know, with your diet? Um, so I'm a firm believer in honoring my hunger cues. And I think I, I'm someone who knows when I'm hungry and not hungry. Like I honor that. I know when I'm hungry and I know when I'm not. So when I cut everything else and I started doing carnivore, number one thing I did is I went and bought a ton of meat options. Like I bought everything because of course I'd been keto. I'd been eating a meat-based diet for so long anyway. And so I am not someone who has ever eaten three meals a day. I am just not that person. I was eating four five meals a day. I was so hungry, which is so crazy because I was coming from a space of being healthy, you know, on a ketogenic diet. And so, um, no tips or tricks. My tip is if you're hungry, eat until your food, you don't, I would eat to the point where I was like, if I take one more bite, I'm going to yak. You know what I mean? Like, if I take one more bite, I'm going to throw up. And then I, I, so I don't have any, that's just what I tell you. If, if you're hungry, just eat it, just eat. And I ate lots of ground beef, lots of sirloin because I did not come up for, I didn't come into carnivore loving like fatty ribeyes and strip steaks. I am obsessed with them now, but lots of butter, lots of ground beef, lots of eggs. And then, um, eventually I got past that. And then I was not hungry ever. <laughs> like I just, a, 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 almost like a priming. You know, I think you're not, uh, some of us naturally do like a priming phase. So I ate, 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 stuffed myself sick. And then one day I remember just being like, if I look at a plate of meat, I'm going to vomit. I don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. And then eventually it just goes like 
it's almost like your body is just like, okay, we're good. We're fine now. We're healing. You eat when you're hungry. And now I eat two meals a day. And I've pretty much maintained that. I would say the first 30 days I was starving and then not hungry. And then once 30 days came, you know, came up, I was like, okay, lunch and dinner. And then that's pretty much how it stayed. Awesome. Thank you for that, Devin. Um, you've also talked about transitional transitionary period on carnivore, which I, for myself, it lasted quite a while. What issues did you have? Did you have any? And like, sort of what are some things that you use to help you get through? Yeah. So the, the one that I remember the most is the sweet cravings, because there are a lot of um, keto treats that are sweet. And I think this is also a thing that I like to point out. When I started keto in 2017, I started before it really was like on the cover of magazines and all the things. And this is right when I think like 2018 is when it started getting really popular. And so there were no keto treats. There were no um, low carb chips. There were none of these things. But then after my second pregnancy, there were all the keto treats. There were all like these little hacks that you could do to stay low carb. And, um, so I was hooked on the keto treats when I went into carnivore. And so the keto sweets and giving that up uh, tr triggered my sweet cravings. And my hack for that was uh, it was always in the evening. It was always after dinner because I always had like a keto chocolate after dinner or a keto ice cream. And that's how I grew up. We always had like a sweet treat after dinner. So it's definitely like a mental thing. Um, I remember being like, I'm going to die if I don't get something sweet. And that's obviously very difficult to find on the carnivore. And I never did fruit. Um, so what I did is I actually went and got goat cheese. And it's actually very sweet um, compared to some other cheeses. And it's a very creamy. And so with dinner, I would just cut like a tiny slice of goat cheese. And that was my hack. That's kind of like how I got through it. And then I remember, I remember actually this day specifically where I ate dinner, cleaned up my plate, table, my plate, cleaned up after the kids, sat down, went to bed. And then the next morning I woke up and went, I didn't crave anything sweet. I didn't even, like, it didn't even hit my mind. It didn't register with me that I really wanted something sweet after dinner. And I knew that that was the, like, that was the end of that. And that I had gotten through that phase and almost that like that, that detox when they say like, it'll go away, it'll go away. I, and it just, it went away without me even being cognizant of it. Awesome. Devin, I know you talked about when you're, in, when you're younger that you were into fitness and sports a lot. And then of course, with your Hashimoto's, you sort of lost that because you're fatigued all the time. You're not feeling the mm -hmm. best. But since going carnivore, I've been watching you crush it in the gym. I mean, <laughs> awesome job. I mean, very inspirational stuff. You've often talked about the importance of protein for women specifically. I had Ashley Van Houten, the muscle maven on mm -hmm. with me recently, and she was talking about the, the importance of protein. Can you let folks know about how much you eat, you figure during a day and what's optimal for you, especially exercising now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, I think my gym performance is one of the things that I'm most proud of um, in the entire world, besides, of course, like being a mom and having kids. Um, because I grew up, I've always been someone you would consider to be like, I, I don't even want to say bigger boned, but I've always been just like a, a little bit thick, you know what I mean? And so I always like was told like, oh, you'll never like look 
like that like because I would admire like really strong women and you know I always just was told like oh like you're never gonna have a six-pack you just don't have that body type and that's fine you know that was like fine it didn't upset me because it had I had had that expectation just because of how I grew up looking and um so the fact that I look like I look now um still like doesn't register with me sometimes because I never thought I'd be able to achieve what I achieve in the gym. I work out five to six days a week, heavy, heavy, heavy lifting. Um, and it has become like my passion in life and part of lifting and wanting to achieve a muscular physique. I've realized how underrated and how under how most women under consume protein. And I really um, started recognizing that when I started working with my, um, my friend, she was a trainer and he's like, how much protein are you eating? And I was like, I have no idea. And he said, it. if you're lifting heavy, you need to like be making sure you're eating enough protein. You're never going to achieve what you want to achieve if you're under eating protein. And so I had naturally assumed that I was eating all this protein um, and all these calories that I needed to build muscle. And I never counted calories until I was eight months into my carnivore journey. And then I realized one, I'm under consuming calories for someone who is trying to build um, a physique and a body that I am trying to build. And um, so the two I was only eating about 1200 calories a day. And that is just not acceptable. Like, and it's because I'm so satiated all the time. Um, and I just was like, whoa. And he's like, you need to be eating a thousand more calories a day. <laughs> and then, um, realizing that I was under consuming because of how I was under consuming calories, I was under consuming protein as well. So the past four months I focused on getting my protein uptake and getting my calories up, um, as well. Um, and so right now I consume no less than 150 grams of protein a day, which is pretty significant. Um, most days I hit over that a little bit, if not up to 170 grams of protein a day, which is a lot for a lady. Um, so most women, um, don't even consume 130 grams and 130 grams is kind of the baseline for perfection for women. Like, okay, you hit 130 grams, um, pretty much with what I've been told 130 grams, it's like, okay, we need to get you to 130 grams of protein for the average woman. Um, some people in the space are eating as little as 90 grams. And that just is not healthy. In my opinion, I understand that there are people who are like, well, if you want to be in a therapeutic, um, level of ketosis, um, you need to be eating 80% fat, 20% protein. But, um, for most people, there is no need to focus on being that high into ketosis that you're worried about protein kicking you out of ketosis. And usually that comes with people who are like suffering from like um, neurological disorders. So um, 90 grams of protein is not enough. 130 grams really should be the goal for most women based on the people that I've talked to and the professional who are professionals in this space um, in fitness and health and women's health. This is not coming from me. This is coming from the people that we talk to on the podcast. Um, and even Dr. Barquet says, you don't have to, most people do not have to be in a therapeutic level of ketosis. Do not worry about protein kicking you out of ketosis for the average, you know, man or woman. Um, so I don't 
I focus on consume. I don't count. I don't measure my ketones for that reason because it doesn't really matter for me. Um, but my ratios right now, I know the 80, 20 method is super popular and floating around my ratios. And when I feel the best in my performance is the best in the gym is 60% fat, 40% protein. And that is with me consuming about 1700 calories a day because I'm in a deficit still. So, um, 1700 calories is my minimum intake for the day. 1900 is my max. Um, sometimes I eat way more ribeye than I should and I go over to 2100. I mean, I'm also a short person. So, um, when I'm at that 17 to 1900 calories a day, I eat about 150 to 170 grams of protein a day and the rest comes from fat. Awesome. Amazing. Sorry. Thank you, no, <laughs> you get me talking about that. It's like one of my most, I love talking about the fitness and the protein. I just think it's so important. And we're going to continue right along that vein, because what I want to ask you now is great um, and really appreciate your response. It was really thorough. So if people are wanting to try this, give them an example of what your daily eating looks like. What, what do you eat during the day typically? So I'm not a breakfast person. I never have been. I am someone who benefited from the intermittent fasting train because it gave me a reason to say, oh, I don't want to eat breakfast. I'm intermittent fasting. I just never have. I've never been a breakfast eater. It used to make my parents mad in high school because I'd rather drink a coffee in the morning than eat breakfast. Um, it just feels really natural to me. So I go to the gym first thing in the morning and then um, around 11 or 12, I eat lunch. Um, my most frequently consumed lunches are ground beef and I will put eggs on top or um lately it's been chicken wings it's been like a I just am going through a chicken wing, chicken wing phase um and then for lunch I'm nine times out of ten I'm eating some sort of steak nine times out of ten it's like a chuck roast most of the time it's a ribeye or a strip steak like almost always a ribeye or a strip steak um and uh, that's like a standard day for me. And I know people say I'm under consuming food. I'm also a very small person. Um, and my, obviously we know that our food is very calorically dense. So it might not look like a lot, but like calorically, I am eating in a slight deficit for my, my body. And it's in a healthy way. That's great. Devin, one of the other things that I noticed, again, similar to myself, is you recently... Um, been promoting creatine as a supplement mm -hmm. that you feel a lot of people should be on. And I tend to agree. It's one of the most studied supplements out there. It's really safe for long-term use and the benefits yep. are far reaching, including brain benefits. Um, since you started, what benefits have you noticed, if any, and why do you recommend it to folks? Um, so I have to say, I'm not one of those people who like takes creatine and I'm like, oh yeah, I feel amazing. I've never, I've taken creatine before. Um, if anything, I will say my muscles are looking really defined, which is kind of like why I take it, but it's so cheap. And a lot of people have texted, messaged me and been like, well, you're eating so much meat. Why do you need the protein? And it's so affordable that it's one of those things that I kind of feel like it's not going to do me any harm. So I'd rather take it, have the, the brain because it's good for your brain. You need it for your brain. Um, <clears throat> which explains why so many vegans are sad. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm like, it's good for my brain. It's good for my muscles. It's super cheap. Why not take it? Why wouldn't you take it? It's almost like a duh kind of thing. Like, of course I should take it. So um, I have, I can't say that I've had this miraculous, oh, I feel great on creatine um, because I haven't. 
I just think I know at the end of the day, if my body needs it, it's going to use it. And at least it's getting it. One of the, it definitely, I agree with you. It's not one of those things. It's, it, it's benefits compound as you use it to me. Right. So what I've noticed is that it's, I've been on it for over a month, a month and a half now, as I notice definitely gains in terms of my energy and my strength and what I'm lifting at the gym, I've noticed a progression. Um, and you know, for those folks that are, that are interested, you really have to drink a lot of water because it's an osmotic when it goes into your gut, it draws a lot of the water there. So it can be mm -hmm. constipating. So you have to be careful with it. But apart from that, you know, if you follow Dr. James DiNicolantonio on, on Instagram here, he's always promoting creatine as well as yep. a supplement. It's, it's really safe. Do you take anything else, any other supplements out of interest? So I did not take anything um, supplement wise until like about four months ago. I do take an equipment protein it's a beef isolate protein it's probably like the only one that i would say is carnivore friendly um that is promoted by a lot of the people in the space who i would trust to take advice from um i do take that just because i care about my muscle gain so so much and i there are days where I'm just not hungry. And I know that if I don't drink the protein shake, I'm not going to get enough protein. And I really put myself through the ringer um, and push myself in the gym. And it's not worth me under consuming protein for how hard I work myself in the gym. So I do drink an equip protein shake with my creatine too. And that's really the only supplement that I consistently take. But again, if you're not, if your goal is not to build an obscene amount of muscle and you're not killing yourself in the gym like I am, I, I would never recommend it to anyone like beyond like, Hey, unless you're really trying to build a muscular physique and you're super under consuming protein, it's just not something that's necessary. Yeah. I'm going to talk about another one of your passions as well. And that is the contour carnivore herself and makeup for women and how yeah, important yeah. it is to you. Um, you know, immediately when I started following you, I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty interesting. As a guy, I'm like learning about all this stuff. <laughs> um, but talk to us about you've had a passion since you were young for that, haven't you? Yeah, I so I wasn't allowed to wear makeup until I was in high school. And of course, as a kid, I was really resentful of that. But now as a parent, I'm like, yeah, that's probably appropriate. Um, and so I just remember always like sneaking makeup and trying to wear it when all my friends were allowed to wear it. And I I don't know what it was, but I always just, it was something that I always wanted to, to wear. It, even little, little, like a little five or six year old, I wanted to wear lipstick and I wanted lip gloss all the time. And so I tell people like, that was the first thing I knew I was going to be passionate about. And once I was allowed to wear it, I started playing around with it. It was always something I played around with. And then eventually I got to a point where my friends would be like, oh, can you do my makeup? And then I started doing other people's makeup. And it just kind of happened naturally because I loved it. And I remember uh, I lived in Florida for a short amount of time. I did teach for America when I graduated college. And I worked at a high school. And I remember the high schoolers being like, Devin, can you do my makeup for prom? And there was a line out the door of my house. And I'd just sit one person down in the chair do their makeup for prom. And then the next person would come in. And so I just... Um, I just always wanted to do something with makeup and I uh, have kind of maintained that. And then I found the, the makeup company that I sell, I guess, um, 
for uh, like a couple, like last year, two years ago. And I was like, oh, I really like to use this to do everyone else's makeup. And so that's what I do now. It's just something fun. It's not a, it's, it's more of a hobby that sometimes I get paid for. You know? It's just like one of those things that I really love doing. Um, and it's just fun. So I didn't want to be exclusively makeup. And so I was like, well, what else do I do? And my friend was like, you need to talk about carnivore, like be the contoured carnivore. And I was like, yes, that's brilliant. So it's just something I love to do. I kind of equate it to my passion for working out. I don't get paid to do it. It's just something I really, really, really love to do. That's great. It's really nice to see other sides of people besides us always talking about the carnivore diet. I mean, so it's, it's fun to see that type of stuff. And you do such a great job with it. I'm amazed at how detailed everything is. I really am like, wow, that takes some time. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and it is fun. It's very much like painting your face. But I think another part that I like the reason I felt passionate about doing it on social media, and even though I didn't want it to be exclusive to to my page, like I didn't want to just be a makeup pages. A lot of these, like when we're going on our health journey, so often we neglect the topical things that we're doing. You know, we think about the food, we think about what we're putting in our bodies, but what about what we're putting on top of our bodies? Cause that matters too. And so one of the, when I went carnivore and started doing that, I was like, oh, I want, you know, a cleaner makeup alternative and the makeup is clean. Um, and it's actually to the main ingredients. There's only 10 ingredients. The average cosmetics has 33. So there's only 10 ingredients in the makeup that I use and that you always see me using. And then, you know, most cosmetics have a 33 or more. And that was like, okay. And then two of them are animal based. So I was like, oh, this is like kind of all tying in nicely. So I think that that is another reason a lot of people are like, well, I have sensitive skin. I can't use anything. Um, and I'm like, well, try this because what you put on your face, makeup, lotion, shampoo, conditioner, this can affect everything too. So that's like another reason I think I felt like, okay, let's incorporate this into my page because this matters to some people too. That's great. That actually ties into another thing, Devin, this is great talk. It just flows right into the next one because I was going to ask, actually ask you, what are some other lifestyle hacks that you use? Things like, do you ground do you cold plunge? Do you use blue light blockers? Anything else that you've used along your journey that's very beneficial? This is something I'm really working on this year. This is actually one of my goals um, because I have terrible anxiety, <laughs> terrible anxiety. And unfortunately, carnivore has not done much for that because I'm just, I'm such an anxious person. Um, so some other life hacks, um, you know, keep in mind, I'm also a mom of two kids that are six and two. So, and we homeschool our oldest right now. So I'm, you know, not as self-focused as I would like to be as far as like nourishing my soul. <laughs> um, I did start journaling this year. Um, I don't know if that's a life hack. Um, not so much journaling, like writing about my day. Um, but I have, um, a tendency because of my anxiety to focus on the negative things. And so something I've started doing recently is that one thought that I have in my mind that I can't get to go away. That's causing me anxiety. I write it down on a piece of paper in this journal that my husband bought me. And it's just like getting it down on paper and seeing it. Uh, but as I was saying, just like getting the thought out of my mind and seeing it on paper and realizing like, okay, this is just a thought, like this is just simplifying it and realizing that it's not that big of a deal has been something that like, even just after doing it for a couple of days, it's been helping me. 
Um, and then one thing that I've been really focusing on is I love to read. I've always loved to read. Um, in 2021, I read a hundred books. So I'm like, really like, I love, I love to read reading before bed instead of being on my phone before bed. And it's all about that blue light and not watching TV, not being on my phone, but reading before bed. That is one hack that is like my sleep. And what I've realized, um, with sleep as well is, um, I also started getting up at five. This is a hack to me. I started getting up at five and or five thirty between five and five thirty every morning. And since I've done that, my sleep schedule is so regulated. I am up at five, five thirty. I go throughout my day. And when, you know, seven thirty, eight o'clock comes around, I can start to feel myself calming down a little bit, getting that, you know, fatigue in there. I take a really warm shower. I sit in the couch or the bed. I read and I'm a bed nine times out of time, I'm in bed by nine, nine thirty. But the regulation of the sleep is one of those things. And I'm like getting up early in the morning is that hack for me. And I just realized the quality of sleep that I get is way better when I do that. So that to me is one of my favorite hacks that I've been doing is waking up super early. And then you will find that your body totally regulates your sleep for you. Yeah, that's a big one. And I, I'm again, exactly the same as you. I get up at 5 a.m. And then by nine, nine thirty, I've I've done my reading. That that's when I, my time is to read my book or whoever mm -hmm. podcast guest I have coming up to study them and that, you know write my yeah. questions down. Speaking of which, let's talk about you and our dear friend Courtney Luna's <laughs> podcast. Eat, eat, meet, and question everything. You guys are doing a phenomenal job, and you've got such great guests. I mean, how cool is that? You must have learned so much from your guests. Yeah. Uh, selfishly, I love to do it because I'm learning from so many people. And I think it's really cool. Um, when I started carnivore and I was just following these people and these are the people that I was learning from the most. And now I have like rapport and friendships with some of them. Um, the one that sticks out the most to me is Dr. Zaldivar, Dr. Sarah Zaldivar. Um, she was almost like a mentor in the beginning. Cause I was like, Oh, I kind of want to start sharing my journey. Da, da, da. And she's like, you got to do it. Like, just do it. But before I even went carnivore, I was referencing her YouTube page constantly. And then now to be able to slide into her DMS and be like, Hey, yada, yada, yada. You know, I'm like, how neat is that? And of course, you know, I know that these are only people we're all just people, but you do kind of build this, you know, um, respect um for a lot of these people and put them on a pedestal because they've influenced your life in such a positive way that they will never even know you know and so um to be able to have like a conversation with even like bella from steak and butter gal we occasionally message back and forth i'm just so honored to be able to talk to these people um and that they even care about <laughs> who i am it's just the neatest thing um so we love our podcast i learned so much i learned even though some of these people I've listened to their channels for over a year I learn something every time we get to talk to someone I might have been watching for 14 15 months um so it's it's wonderful it it really is and you guys as I said are doing an incredible job and some of the guests you've had have been really really cool and I, I hope to have some of them on on here someday yeah. soon too you know I've been very blessed like you it's an honor to talk to folks that have helped you on your own journey and inspired you at, at the same time right. and converse with them. So really great. Devin, as we kind of wind down here a little bit, I wanted to just ask some fun questions of you. And also, uh, before we move on, I just want to go back to one thing. And you talked about how carnivore has not cured your anxiety. 
And I noticed recently you cut the caffeine out completely for a while. Did you notice any benefit with that when you did it for anxiety? I mean, no, no, no. And you know what? I have been in therapy on and off for anxiety since I was 13 years old. Um, So this is a lifelong struggle and I'm very open about it. And I actually think that this is something I'm going to start talking about openly on my, my socials because I haven't really um, discussed it a lot. Um, I have behind the scenes with some of my, you know, my friends that I've made and the followers that have become, you know, good friends, um, especially Courtney and I, we talk about this all the time. Um, I, I know that it is just a lifelong struggle that I'm going to have to learn how to deal with. And, um, I'll share something that has really resonated with me. The past. I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of days. Um, I've been in therapy in and out my entire life. I love therapy. I think it's my best friend as a psychologist. I, I think it's wonderful. And it's always been for anxiety. And then I'll stop going because I'll get to a place where I feel like, oh, you know what? I've, I've, I've dealt with what I needed to deal with. I feel great. Um, but I read something the other day because now as part of my reading, I'm starting to read a lot of self-help books because that's my goal this year is to kind of get this anxiety. Like what what is making me anxious and kind of hone in on it. Um, but I was reading something and the question was, are you, have you healed or are you just distracted? And I cannot stop thinking about it. Like, it's just something. And I think there's probably some stuff in my life that has, you know, made me an anxious person. And every time I stop therapy, I think, Oh, I've healed from this or I've dealt with this. And I think I've just become very distracted. So I'm not thinking about it. Um, so I, am an anxious human being. I've always known that I was anxious. I just don't think I've ever learned the proper coping mechanisms. And that is part of what I'm working on this year. And I think that that's something I'm going to start discussing on my page as I start going to therapy and reading all these resources and hopefully talking to some people. Um, But I think another caveat to the carnivore diet is um, uh, I think a lot of people People come into the to the diet thinking it's going to be a cure-all, cure-all, and unfortunately, that's not the reality for a lot of people. For some people, it is. Some people, they come in, and all their problems are solved, and it's great, and they all can eat meat for the rest of their life, and they're never anxious or, you know, have to go to therapy, or they never gain weight or whatever. Um, I've been very lucky with the way that carnivore has improved my life, but I just don't think that we should come into it with, like, a it's a magic pill because it's not. Um, so it's my struggle. It has always been my struggle. Um, and I think I need to start talking about it a lot more because when I posted to my stories that I'm a very anxious person, I'm having a hard time coping with my anxiety. We went through a huge move, um, with my family the past couple of months, um, about four months ago, um, five months ago. And it, I think was very triggering. And I think that a lot of people responded to my story talking about it saying like, oh yeah, like I have the worst mental health I've ever had. And I'm on a carnivore diet. And I'm like, yeah, like, I I think I'm not the only one feeling like this. (laughs) So um, I think I will start sharing more of what I'm going through, because it seems like a lot of people are just suffering in silence, to be honest. I think it would be a really powerful thing to do. Um, And I totally agree with you. Carnivore is incredible. There's so many benefits and life changing benefits for so many people, but it's not a panacea. It's not a cure all. Um, right. And, you know, as as Jeannie was just saying, you know, strep people with strep issues have anxiety. She just typed in there. But, um, you know, it it just takes studying and and experimenting with yourself mm-hmm. to figure out what works and what does not work for you. Right. Now, as a baseline, 
I certainly recommend carnivore and trying it mm -hmm. out an elimination diet as you know, Michaela Peterson did the lion diet, even if you have to go down to the bare minimum to right. see what and then add things back. But I think it would be really powerful, Devin, if you start sharing that stuff, that'll be great. Yeah, I, I, um, I post on TikTok. I don't my following is growing over there. I have a bigger following over here. But I do feel like people on TikTok because it's a different it's a different um, culture over there. I feel like it would be really well received and taken um, on TikTok because I feel like that's the kind of um, transparency that happens over there um, and then bringing it over here, too. But I, I feel like it's something that just um, isn't talked about. I mean, mental health is already kind of a taboo kind of thing to talk about anyway. Um, but yeah, it's not a cure-all. Um, I know that my diet is doing all the things I need to function properly, but I think that there's, um, I'm functioning properly. My body is in its optimal health physically. So what can we do mentally now so that we have the physical and the mental at um, an optimal baseline? And that's what I'm, that's what I'm working on. I will say one thing that I have learned, Devin, and, and it's just a piece of advice from one fellow carnivore to another, is that the importance of rest. And I understand, you know, you're going really hard at it in the gym and you've got two kids and you had hypothyroidism. So make sure that you do take some time and just for yourself. It's that, so important. And that's why I tell people, you got to make sure you're getting your sleep. That's why I like protect my sleep at all costs, because I'm like, if I don't sleep, everything is worse. Everything is amplified. You know, my gym performance goes down if I don't sleep. My mental health goes down if I don't sleep. I'm not a good mom if I don't sleep. You know what I mean? So it's like, and that's my best friend is a psychologist. And the first thing he will always say is guard your sleep with your life, because that is the number one indicator of mental health in most people's situation is under sleeping with mental illness. So, yep, absolutely. Devin, last couple of questions for you. You talked about your enjoyment for reading. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some books that you can recommend to people that you, you're just reading now? It could be anything. It doesn't have to be carnival related. Um, so what did I, what did I finish? Um, so I have a bunch of carnivore books. Um, the, I have a plan in the future to do a carnivore or a health, um, book club, in this space. It's just like not a great time right now because we've been so busy. Um, but what did I just, I just finished. I'm sitting right here um, looking at my books. I just, I'm reading this book right now called Daisy Darker. Um, and she's one of my, Alice Feeney is the author and she's one of my favorite authors and her, her writing is a very poetic and it's very beautiful. Um, I love all the things that book of the month club, um, Oh, you have it now. Yeah, I, I loved it. I'm loving it so far. Um, I love the Book of the Month Club. Anything they put out is really, really awesome. I am an avid horror author, like horror book lover. Um, horror is my preferred genre. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I just love all things scary. Um, uh, I just, another thing that wasn't scary that I just finished was where the crawdads sing. Mm -hmm. That's not scary. And that was pretty good. I enjoyed that. That's, and that's very out of my, my normal scope. Um, but yeah, I'm reading Daisy Darker right now, and I, I'm enjoying it so far. If you if you have a go-to meal, your favorite carnivore meal, what is it? I know it's not seafood for you. <laughs> it's not seafood. <laughs> no, and you know what? I think about it because I'm Catholic, and um, our Lent is coming up starting next week, and I'm not going to be able to eat meat on Fridays, and I'm like, like I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I'm just going to have to do fasting days because I don't love seafood. Um go-to meal, it's going to be a ribeye steak. It's going to be a ribeye steak, a hundred or 
But I mean, I guess ribeye steak or a prime rib, technically a prime rib is a ribeye, but it's going to be a ribeye nine times out of 10. Good call. And I agree. Delicious. Yeah. I think everyone, not, I think eight out of 10 people are going to say a juicy ribeye. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. Except for one of my guests actually said they love ground beef. I think it was Casey Ruff. <laughs> he did. He said like, oh, I love ground beef <laughs> hey, to each his yeah. and her own. Devin, this has been absolutely an honor for me to chat with you. Where can folks find you besides Contoured Carnivore here? Where can they go find you? Um, so I'm on, I'm on all platforms. I'm on Pinterest. I'm on TikTok. I'm on YouTube, um, all under the Contoured Carnivore. Something exciting is that I actually am in the finishing stages of my website. I had someone make it for me. So eventually everything will be on my website where you can go to all my social platforms. But And then the makeup stuff that I do um, to work with me with makeup will be on there as well. Um, and it, I bought the do domain name for the contouredcarnivore.com. Um, but in addition to that, I have some plans this year. I have my first free um, downloadable ebook that will be on there once it gets up and running. And then I think I pretty much have talked to enough people who have given me feedback where um, I am going to make downloadable guides for home workouts and gym workouts because a lot of people I don't think are getting that from this you know the space like I don't see a lot of car um, carnivores like giving this is what I do this is a workout go to the gym do this for three or four months then switch it up so that is something that I feel like is missing that I kind of want to fit in and get into the space um so that'll be coming I'm hoping by summer but the first ebook that I wrote will be up hopefully by next week Oh, that's amazing. Devin, I don't know how you do it all between a, a busy mom and your exercising and your, <laughs> your makeup and your online presence. And the last one was, I forget, please forgive me. Where can folks find the podcast with you and Courtney? So um, the, the recordings, um, the video recordings are all on my YouTube under Eat Me, Question Everything playlist, but we're on Apple and Spotify as well under Eat Me and Question Everything too. And then once my website is up and running, there will be a link to go to get all that stuff. You can literally just click listen to the podcast and it'll take you to all of them. So Devin, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. You're amazing. Thank you for your time today. I want to wish you and your family the very best and continued success. And uh, yeah, really rock it. Keep rocking it. You're doing amazing. <laughs> Thank you. More progress photos to come too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for thinking and having me on here. I appreciate You're it. More than welcome. Have a great rest of your day, Devin. You as Bye. well. Thanks everyone. And that's a wrap on this episode of Carnivorous Chats. If you've made it this far, I want to say thank you for listening and also thank you in advance for liking, subscribing, or sharing this episode. Thanks again to the good folks at Carnivore Bar and Equip Foods. Don't forget to check the link in the show notes to get a discount on their products. And also, don't forget you can book me for a 30-minute carnivore coaching session through Avero Health. Again, the link will be in the show notes. Until the next time, be well. Be well.